Hello again, friends, and welcome to the Young Anglicans Podcast. The Young Anglicans Podcast is a place for conversation and discussion about ministry to teenagers through the lens of Anglicanism. It's hosted by me, Andrew Unger, and me, Eric Overholt. We're both real-life Anglican youth pastors who want to see young people find and follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. We're glad you're with us. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we're glad you're back with us. We've just been talking about how maybe we need some new intro music or maybe we need a new intro script or something. Yeah. Um, so if you, have awesome, if you have awesome ideas for us, uh, please <laughs> let us know. And then don't be offended if we don't take them because we may not, we may not take your ideas. But we would love to hear from you and what you think about the intro music and what you think about our goofy little intro script that we've now said I don't know, 30 times or however many recordings we've done. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Guys, looking for intro music is the worst experience. You're just listening through stuff. You're like, is this me? I don't know. It's, it's it a is horrible. Awful. It is awful. And believe it or not, that, that intro music that you hear every time on this podcast, we agonized over that. I spent although I would, Although we, I will admit, we eventually were just like, just go with that one because I don't yeah. care. <laughs> the process wore us down. Yes, it did. Okay, so we're really glad you're back. Welcome back to the Young Anglicans podcast. Um, today, Andrew and I, we, we were again, we were talking about what we're going to talk about. And I shared one of the things that's really on my mind right now is what is your youth group space like? Where do you meet? Um, what kind of thought do you put into it? Is there any kind of intention put into what you're trying to do with a youth group space? Uh, and this is particularly on my mind. Because uh, thanks be to God, about a year and a half, almost two years ago, our church was given a building um, in Southern California with real estate prices, what they are. We were given a building, which was an amazing act of God. We're really excited about it. But but for since that time and actually for another year and a half or so before that, our youth group was the only activity happening in this church building. Right. Because there was another church that was there, but they weren't doing anything. It's a long story. But so it was our build. The whole building was ours. And it was awesome because kids felt like like they had ownership of the space. And, you know, all they you know, there were a couple offices that that the church was using. But other than that, they had the free reign of the space. Well, a, a month ago, the rest of the church moved in to that building. And now. My students are having me too, and my students are having to get used to the idea that this isn't just our building anymore. And what does it look like for us to like carve out a space? And you know, what, what kind of how should I be advocating on behalf of my youth group and the students that are a part of this church as well for a place that they can call theirs? And why does that matter? And what should that look like? And is that important? Um, and so I've been formulating some ideas on it, but, but Andrew, I, I'm going to toss it to you with that introduction. I'm going to toss it to you and say, what are your thoughts about that idea? Yeah. So there's, there's a few things that pop into my head as you're talking. The first is that sense of ownership, right? And that seems to be a big thing when we talk about youth ministry, owning the space, having a space that belongs to the youth group, um, is a priority, or at least many people make it a priority, um, and that's an interesting question to me. So we don't have a youth ministry room um, on Sunday mornings for Sunday school. We are actually uh, our 
church shares a parking lot with a um, daycare center, like an after school, before school, a childcare center. Um, and so we are in the teacher's lounge of the, of the daycare center. We go over there. We just kind of like invade their space a little bit for Sunday school. Um, and, uh, and then on, on Sunday nights for youth group, we're just sort of in, in our basement, sort of making space. And there's an interesting way in which um, that ownership thing can happen even when you don't have a dedicated space. Um, I was once watching, this is going to be a very Andrew sentence. I was watching a documentary on urban design called Urbanized. It was the third in a trilogy of design. The first one's about font design. The second one was about industrial design. Um, Helvetica and Objectified are the two documentaries by a guy named Gary Hustwit. They are excellent. Watch them all back to back, and I have big thoughts about ministry. That'll be another conversation another day. Are they, are they on Netflix? How, how, like, I don't remember. Okay. They might still be on, on Netflix. Um, okay. He did another documentary, which is still being screened places on just the design of Dieter Rams, who did all this stuff for Braun, which is really, really beautiful. Um, this is the kind of thing, if you come to one of our youth ministers' gatherings, you can stay up late and have drinks with me, and I can ramble about these sorts of things. But all this to say, in the city planning thing, they were talking about um, public spaces and and the chairs that they have. And when chairs are like cemented in and people have to sit on a bench or something like that, it's one thing. But what they noticed is, is that everybody, when they sit down in the chair, just scoots it just a little bit, right? Like you, you sit down in the chair and you just kind of move it and then it becomes your chair because you have the ability to move it. it, it it's almost like um, that little bit of customization gives you ownership. And I notice my students in our space, um, they kind of they kind of take ownership of where they are by like, you know, the kitchen, they're sitting on a counter or, or when they're near something, they move the chair just how they want, or they, they set up at the table, how they like it. Or, you know, this group wants to be over by the stairs or next to the coat racks when they talk. And it's some of it's separation and privacy, but a lot of it is just that sense of feeling like, okay, this is my space and I'm able to be here. And what I've really enjoyed, um, the children's ministry was starting up a Sunday night thing as well. And they said, Hey, can we just use one of the rooms of the church? You don't need all the square footage all at once. And they were right. But I sort of said, like, you're going to kill my vibe here if you guys show up. Because, <laughs> because, yeah, we don't need all the square footage. But my students, when they come on Sunday nights, feel at home at the church. Um, we have, I bought a bunch of, we have snacks, but I bought a bunch of, like, tea bags. So, like, the kids are making themselves tea and they're sort of going to the fridge. And it feels at home mm -hmm. just to a little extent in what is otherwise... Um, a, a rectangular prism of a basement. Mm -hmm. um, it is not, it becomes a welcoming space when people are there, but it is not by itself very welcoming and, and homey. I, I put like icicle lights up and I try no, to use I, some things. And um, yeah. I, but, but, I've, I've been in your youth room or the room that you use for the youth yeah. room. And actually the way you have made that room homey mm -hmm. uh, is, is the way you've lit it. Like you, you yeah. clearly put a lot of thought and care into the lighting down there for yeah. for a, a more intimate, for lack of a better term, yeah. a, a smaller group gathering. Um, and so it feels warm. It feels comfortable, even though you're sitting around, probably sitting around rectangular tables in yeah. metal chairs or folding chairs or whatever. Um, so in that sense, I, I, I think you've done a good job. You've done yeah. a good job with that. So, um, and I think I, lighting, I think lighting is a, is a to me, Lighting is probably the most important thing you can do yeah. in a situation like that. 
Um, because if the light is not warm, if you're just using like the overhead fluorescent lights and it's yeah. this bright white light shining straight down and diffusing out on everything, like there's nothing that feels warm and cozy and invite and like, let's sit down and have a nice, right. honest conversation. Um, yeah. And Ikea, I'm telling you guys, Ikea, you can buy very, very affordable lamps. You can just light the whole space like that. Um, the, the basement at All Souls where we meet, um, we often have to use one of the rows of fluorescence because otherwise, you know, when you've got, when when you were there, Eric, there may be 20 or 30 people and that kind of brings a little bit of energy into the room. Mm -hmm. But when I'm all, at first, when students show up, if if all the fluorescence are out, um, a former youth worker, um, shout out to Ellen Bosberg, described the this lighting as romantic, which was not quite the vibe that we were looking for. <laughs> Um, right right so so we had to turn on some of the fluorescence but yeah having having a little bit of light um th this speaks to the what is the purpose what are we trying to do with this space um i think a lot of times we can approach space as a very utilitarian thing which is why a lot of modern churches look like shopping malls when mm -hmm. you go to like very large churches they look like shopping malls. I, I was in one in, in Louisville where like you walk in and there's even like an escalator up. Like it, it just felt like mall. Um, and that's because malls are very good at transporting large groups of people through. They have very big lobbies, right? Like it, there's a utility to it. Um, but at youth group, you mentioned it, like you're, you're trying to have a space for belonging mm -hmm. and you don't belong at the mall. You don't, <laughs> You don't go to a mall to feel a sense of belonging because that space doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, but but, but we I want actually, our spaces to belong. Yeah, but actually, I think even worse, like you, you go to the mall to consume. Yeah. Right? Like you go to the mall to like, you're thinking about yourself, even though it's not a place for you to belong, you're thinking 100% about yourself and your preferences and what you want and what you, like the things you desire. And like, I'm going to part with my money to, to get this thing that I desire so that I can leave this yeah. place with that thing that I desire. Uh, and I think uh, like sacramentally, that's a horrible thing, a horrible message to be sending at a church. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to circle back around to this idea that you were talking about of ownership. Mm. And, and I would say that's the thing that as the rest of the church is moving into to this space that we, mm. we have, like, we're, we, there's this sense of we've lost ownership of this building, yeah. um, which, which is probably mostly perception because mm -hmm. we're still the only thing happening on Sunday evenings, right? Sunday afternoon evenings. Yeah. Um, but it just feels like, we can't arrange the furniture the way we want to arrange the furniture. And mm -hmm. there's, you know, stuff left out here and stuff left out there. And uh, it just doesn't quite feel quite the same. But I think what you're talking about, that sense of ownership, I think is particularly important for teenagers. And yeah. here's, what I, here's, here's what I mean about that. Like a big part of the teen years is, is stepping, stepping away from your family and becoming that in taking those first steps away from your family, mm -hmm. becoming that independent identity. And for I, so in that sense, like most students, a lot of students are coming to church. Hopefully they want to come to church, yeah. but they're coming to this church because it's the church that their parents chose. Mm -hmm. And they probably, when they were, you know, young, 
if their parents started coming when they were young, didn't have any kind of say in, in which right. church they were going to go to. So now that they're trying to like individuate from their family on some level, having a space that they can point to and say, this is the place where I have some control of, of saying, no, this is also my place. Yeah. And I actually think that's a really good and a really healthy expression for a youth group to be able to point at a particular place and say, yeah, that's ours. And we got to choose what that looked like. Yeah. And everyone else, everyone else in the church is adjusting around that and is embracing mm -hmm. that because all this other stuff that we didn't have any choice in, um, like the liturgy and like all these other things, which we, that's another conversation we can have, whether or not students should have some sort of say in those kinds yeah. of things. Um, but giving them that liberty, I think is really important for, for their formation, for their spiritual formation, as they think of this church, not just my parents' church, this is my church he mm -hmm. here as well. Um, and, and so, you know, I have been like making a lot of noise for, for the youth group to get a room, right? We have, we have a few classrooms down in the basement. I'm like, you know, I know we've lost all these other spaces, but can we just have a room that we can call ours? Yeah. And I finally got that this week. I finally got a room like that's your room. You can go do whatever you want. And I went in and I set it all up. And I was like, this room looks awesome. And I think this is the wrong message. I think this is the wrong message that we're sending to the youth. And it's the wrong message that we're sending to the church. Here's why. Yeah. Because it is the room that's tucked back in the corner that kind of no one else really wanted. It's separate from everybody else. Yeah. And this is a this is a huge problem we have in our youth group right now, which it feels completely separate mm -hmm. from the rest of the church. And the rest of the church is not going to have to adjust to anything because we have a youth room now. Yeah. And I think I think that's the wrong message for us to send to the church. I think it's the wrong message for us to send to the kids. And now I've been yelling and screaming for us to have our own room. And what I'm realizing is, no, I want them to allow us to have some freedom in some of the public spaces in the in the church to 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 make space for the youth group yeah i'm yeah. really and, and, and for all those reasons i just said well and that's so part of why i love the model of infant baptism and confirmation um is that it it, it follows i think a natural um growth of faith but I, for confirmation, I think it's so important to see it not just as an individual decision to follow Jesus, but stepping into the life of the church. And so mm -hmm. part of what we want students to do in that individuation process is not just who am I apart from my parents, um, but also to be, identify with the body of Christ as a whole, to find their identity in in an almost a new relationship to their parents now no longer as just mom and dad but also as brothers and sisters in christ um and there's something about using the same spaces that the adults use like for me obviously this doesn't fully scale and the smaller churches the more frequently this is going to happen out of necessity but like for our youth group meeting we say evening prayer in the same nave that they worship in on sunday mornings and and we don't use that space for games, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. um, I I try, and because I am who I am, I'm bad at enforcing rules, so I've been lax about this recently. But I try and um, make that space feel set apart. So, like, quiet when we enter. We don't we don't go up into that space. I don't try and do announcements up there. 
so that that worship space is worship space, if at all possible. Um, we've got a low ceiling, so I can't do incense, but man, I wish I could do incense. I love the smell of incense. Um, and and it's cool to me that it's the same space. It's cool to me that it's the same kitchen that their parents use, that it's the same space on Sunday mornings, at least for the All Souls kids. Admittedly, you know, my youth group involves three churches, and so the kids from the other two churches, um, it, it's just simply the youth space for, for them. <laughs> but even still, when we do an, I love doing all-nighters at the church because then, like, for an entire chunk of time, like, they just kind of explore the space. That, that Like, this is all theirs and their it's their whole domain um and i think it's cool to identify with that and to be in that place where yeah they feel some ownership but not necessarily ownership to the exclusion of the adults yeah but they say this is my church too this is also where i belong and when i'm here i adjust the chair a little bit differently but i know very well when someone else is here you know we've got to adjust like this and our all-nighters, if when they go Friday into Saturday, the men's Bible study shows up like at the tail end. And that's kind of cool too, that it's like, oh, okay, this is the church where we were doing this and now someone else is showing up. And there mm-hmm. is, um, yeah, I think that can help that siloed um, sense. Um, be, because, yeah, this ownership piece is a helpful piece for that adolescent development thing. Um, now, all of that being said, um, man, it would be handy to have a youth room. Like, <laughs> I've got a, I've got an event on Friday. I'm doing like a video game night. Uh, I'm just setting up a bunch of video games. So I've got to get in um, and sort of set things up because we don't have a lot of church. I'm just bringing all of my rigs and things. Um, and there's yoga at All Souls until 15 minutes before the event. So like, oh, man. it's going to be a very quick, I'm going to do some setup today. They do, that in the, nice. they do that in the Undercroft there? Yeah, yeah, they, they do yoga okay. down there. They, they dim, the lighting is really good for yoga. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they do yoga down there. And so that's going to be a quick turnaround. There is something on a strictly utility utilitarian sense. Um, having shared space is hard. I mean, in the same way, just like living in a house with other people is hard and having a shared living room is hard. My son can't leave out his toys all the time because we tell him, you're not the only one who lives here. This is all of our living room. And so if you leave your toys out here, your younger brother's allowed to play with them because you've left them out in our shared common space. There is that difficulty. Um, and I don't know, do, do we just lean into that and say, it's good to learn those lessons? Or yeah, I don't know, well, are you looking forward still to, to having that youth room? I don't know. I don't know. Because like no one else knows about it, right? I Because... Like there was a bunch of junk left in this left over in this building from the church that used to have the building. And and like what happened this week is we cleaned out this one closet. And so a bunch of stuff that was in the room that was the that's now the youth room, we we moved into anyway. And so like no one else has really like a couple of people have probably seen it, but no one else really knows about it. And it's it's really comfortable in there, right? It's too small, right? Our our youth group actually won't fit in the youth room. Um, the kids that go to our church will fit in there, yeah. but since our youth group, you know, half our youth group doesn't actually go to our church, right. and that's one of the things that has concerned me about the room they told me can be the youth room. I was like, well, we can't all fit in there, <laughs> and and they're like, well, but you've got the whole church to use on Sunday nights when the whole youth group is here, and I was like, uh, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> but but I think more than that, more than that, we're we're all we're all figuring out how to share this space. You know, uh, the, 
the, the Alter Guild is learning how to share the space with, you, you know, whatever, with the worship team, with the, you know, all these people. They're all learning how to share the space together. Um, and I feel like, but but it still feels like there's this sense of, well, the kid, here's the kids, and, and I mean that the youth group kids, here's the youth group kids, and they can have their space over here, but we're not asking the parents to make an adjustment or the, the adults to make an adjustment to the youth. It's all the other direction. The mm-hmm. youth have to make an adjustment to us. And I just think that's a bad message to send to our teens. Like, no, this really isn't your, this really isn't your church. Um, right. You come, you come here because your parents make you come here. Yeah. But if we want to change that narrative and we want, when they leave this church, we want them to think of the church as a home that they feel like they can come back to. We have to, we have to adjust to them as well. We have to give them some liberties. We have, we, we give them plenty of responsibility, right? We ask them mm-hmm. to be readers. We ask them to be acolytes. We ask them to do all kinds of stuff around the church. If we're going to give them responsibility, we have to give them some liberties as well. Yeah. And, and so in that sense, you know, what I want is some space that the rest of the church is going to have to make an adjustment to. Yeah. And that's that's something that that's an argument that I'm going to have to craft and first convince the rest of our leadership about. Yeah. But I also try to help them understand that they've already been doing that and didn't really even realize it, right? Because mm. the youth group has had free reign down there for three years or whatever. Yeah. And so when we had Youth Alpha, we would set up the tables to eat dinner together. We would set up this other area as kind of a, a discussion area. We had our our flags from the Youth Alpha retreat hanging on the bulletin board. Mm-hmm. We had other decorations up in various places. And they just stayed up all the time because there was mm-hmm. no reason to bring them down. So right. when the vest when the vestry came into that room to have a meeting, they would just move the tables around a little bit and they'd sit there in that same space. And that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Maybe we might want to take it a little further. We might want to <clears throat> we might want to take one wall and paint it with you know chalkboard paint so that we can draw on the wall, or we may we may want to do something that like more clearly identifies this as, hey, this is this is youth group space. Yeah. Um, but I, so I, and I haven't. I'm just now formulating all these ideas in my own mind because I got all that. I got the youth room set up and I'm like, this room is awesome. And it's awful. all yeah. the same time. <laughs> so I got what I wanted. And now I'm like a little upset that I got what I wanted. Um, but yeah. I, yeah. And I think that's, that's an interesting thing. I think it's a very common trope for like the youth group to make do. Right. Yeah, like, right. Like that's a very common thing. And it, because kids don't care. The kids right. don't care what, what anything's like. They don't even know. What- and and maybe they don't, but that's that tension between adolescents as treating adolescents as childhood or treating like full adulthood. You can err too far the other way where you're like, where, where like once you're 13, you get to like preach every week or I, I don't know, some, <laughs> some inappropriate level of authority. And there's a whole movement in both youth ministry and people who talk about adolescents that want to basically eliminate the childhood aspect of adolescence and say start acting like adults um in jewish culture they have a bar mitzvah and you're a 13 year old grown-up act like a grown-up um and and juvenilization is the wrong answer but but treating them like they're instantly adults is also wrong that in between where yeah they're 
they're not quite fully adults yet. But in some ways, as they grow, you need to make room for them. And you, the difficulty in both parenting um, teenagers, um, in, in working with adolescents, is allowing them to, to form their own identity and express their gifts, which you have to then make room for, which you have to accept and, and as it grows in. Otherwise, you are just stifling and saying, you you need to grow into the ways that I want you to grow into. And if you grow into something different, too bad we don't have space for you yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a hard balance to figure out. Um, and you have fun but, navigating it. <laughs> yeah, but this, but this is also, I, I think this also goes into, to me, the importance of aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I don't want to have uh, like the furniture in our youth room is not brand new, right? Like right. two of the chairs, uh, literally I found on the side of the road. <laughs> now that said, they're not in horrible condition, right? right? They're they're not brand new, but they're not in horrible condition. And and I wouldn't put furniture in horrible condition in the youth room because I don't want to send the message that this doesn't matter. Because right. I do believe that I... I because I want to capture students' heart as much as I want to capture their mind or their soul or that like, and I, I really believe beauty is one way we're going to capture their heart. Now, what they think is beautiful and what I think is beautiful are probably different because, well, this is going to sound really pejorative, but because dumb I, teenagers. Think, <laughs> <'cause> I, <laughs> I think their sense of the beautiful is malformed still or, or right. not malformed, but is, is, um, not mature. Has, yes, is nascent. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's part of what I'm doing, right? I'm teaching them that which is beautiful and that which mm-hmm. is good and that which is true. That's a big part of what I'm doing. So that's the other reason why I think space matters is that yeah. I think beauty matters. And it's, it's the exact reason I think part of the reason why you take your kids upstairs to do evening prayer and why I take my kids upstairs into this, into the nave, the sanctuary, mm-hmm to do our like teaching content, right? Which not always evening prayer, sometimes it's evening prayer, but we go upstairs to do the like spiritual work that we're going to do. Because first of all, it's it's a thin space. It's a place where the the Eucharist Mm -hmm. is celebrated regularly, where prayers are said all the time. Uh, So it's that thin space, but it's also, it's, it's a message that we're sending that, hey, now it's a time where we're doing something different. And we, we came together downstairs and we had fun and we formed community. And it's a great thing for us to do to do that. And now we're going to come upstairs and we're going to do something different. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a, an important message to send. Yeah. And I think so part of the being Anglican is that the way we do things recognizes that we're embodied creatures, standing, sitting, kneeling, church year, fasting, all, all these things, taking the Eucharist. These all recognize that we're embodied. And I think a strictly utilitarian approach to interior design or architecture ends up treating us like we are souls stuck in little like meat sacks dragging around. Um, But like, who cares as long as we can fit the bodies in the space to hear the content Mm -hmm. um, because it's about content transmission. Um, And I guess that's like, as I think, okay, so what are tips? What are, things that I've done well, places where I've failed, what are some ways to make good use of space? Part of it is even to start thinking about space as more than utility, as more than just, can I fit the chairs in the room or not? Um, There's something like, 
Will you be able to sit in a circle? What will the lighting be like? What will the, um, will there be a comfort level? Like, can we put yeah. pillows on the chairs? Mm -hmm. um, what will sitting in chairs or couches or on the floor do to the conversation, right? Because like when we do, sometimes when we like gather, we'll gather and do something sometimes in the undercroft because the children's worship uses that space and we're able to sort of use some movable walls. Um, I said undercroft instead of basement. Undercroft is a word we use. I don't know if anybody else ever uses that word. I know what you mean. Lance, I know what you mean. Um, there are ways we can make it sort of more worshipful, but we like, sometimes we sit on the floor on pillows. And I usually ask the students, like, do you guys want to sit on chairs or sit on the floor? Um, and usually a lot of students just want to sit on the floor on a pillow. And I think that's because there is a, that's a different kind of posture. And when we're doing like a listening prayer thing, that feels different on the floor than it does in a metal chair, mm. right? And it feels yeah. different. We use the movable walls because, because it feels different inside an enclosed space than it does in a giant vacant room. Yeah. Um, and that's something we sort of think like, well, if there's enough space, that's fine. So if it's an airplane hanger or a, or a gym yeah. cares because that's enough space. But being in an airplane hanger does something. Now, yeah. at the same time, immensity, like you think about cathedrals and the tall ceilings do something. I was thinking earlier as we were talking about shopping malls. I wonder why the high ceilings in a shopping mall do not inspire transcendence the way the high ceilings in a cathedral do. Um, there's got to be something about the design in a cathedral that that evokes a response that the high ceilings in a mall don't. No, I think I think the mall is supposed to evoke the same thing. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and in that sense, it, Jamie Smith, here we go. Uh, you are yeah. what you love. Yeah. You are what he uses that exact metaphor as the modern yeah. cathedral is the shopping mall. Yeah. And it's a place where we go and we worship consumerism and it, it like his whole description of that, I, I man, oh, yeah, I, I was like, I was reading that and my mind was exploding as I was reading. He's like, oh my gosh, he is so right. It's amazing. When you go to like your your little side chapel and then and have your transaction yes. with the priest where you receive your sacrament. Yes. If you haven't read You Are What You Love, find a copy of it and just find the section where he talks about like the shopping mall worship experience. And it is just tremendous. So good. So um, good. But, but, but like... Yeah, like, and, and finding little ways to bring a sense of the transcendent into your worship spaces, finding ways to bring comfort into your discussion spaces. People feel, if you're, if you're going for vulnerability, um, it, it, is, it is possible to do around a folding table and folding chairs, um, but it is less likely. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it, and that, that, that goes exactly to uh, like adding to what you're saying here, like when you see the space, when you first walk into a room and you see the space that you have carved out for you, what message are you sending just by what it looks like slash feels like that the mm -hmm. ethos, the atmosphere yeah. of that room. And since, since ours is a youth group that, that was kind of born out of youth alpha and, and that sort of, atmosphere and ethos of discussion of mm -hmm. like this this like come and belong in this place and discuss these really really important issues it was really important to me it's always been very important to me to have a space that is actually comfortable right so so the furniture itself looks padded and comfortable and like a place you could right. go and and like relax in so 
it, it's comfortable. It's it, the the lighting in it is warm and and sends this message of, of of again like this is a comfortable. It's a living room. It's a living room where you could go. I remember the first time I did a youth album course. I, I had a friend coming and she was helping me set up the room, and and I, she said, "Why why are we making a living room in the church for kids to come to? Why don't we just actually have it in a living room somewhere?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well." That just adds a layer of complication that that I don't want to get into, but let's just make it a living room. But but that's really what I was trying to do, and it's and it's the yeah. way I set up our new youth room. I set it; it looks like a living room. Yeah. Um, and it's a place, but but that's the message I want to send: come and live here, come yeah. and come and be comfortable, come and belong, come and and know that this is a place where you can come and like you. It wouldn't be weird for you to be in sweats, even though no one's ever going to wear sweats to this. Mm-hmm. Like it could be it's yeah. that kind of comfort level with it. Yeah. I mean, anyway. the thing we, we used to do our Sunday night programming back when I was doing two, two youth group events per week in the evenings on top of my Sunday morning, Sunday school. Um, we used to have it separate groups at people's homes in living rooms. Um, and it was the right call two years ago to switch to once a week at the church, but we absolutely lost something very valuable when we left those living rooms because even even returning to the same living rooms week after week um like who's getting which seat um like people are are like calling blankets like there's a way in which in the same way if you visit a friend's house over and over again you start to feel comfortable with it there is something about that 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 helps that builds into things um a familiarity with it um yeah i guess that's and i've never you know, I thought about this a lot when we when we shifted to the church, and I occasionally revisit it, and I think like, oh, this is terrible. Um, actually, when we were down in the basement for um, that uh, Anglican Youth Ministers gathering at All Souls, um, I think it was you who like angled the tables a little differently. Yeah. Like in the space that the the room's a giant rectangle, and so and and so I'd often have sort of two two pairs of table running parallel, sort of lengthwise in the room. And, and Eric just like angled them at 45 degrees. And I felt like it was a game changer <laughs> for space. Um, and now my, so my, my student leaders set up the tables every, every Sunday night and they often just do something different every time. Like, and it, and it's interesting. It really does shape the space. And so it, it doesn't take that much time to, to just sit and think about the space and think what would make this accomplish the goals I want. And the, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that almost gets to the heart of why you're doing youth ministry. What are we doing here? Are we, are we simply teaching? That will form your space. Are we forming people? Even night to night. What is tonight about? Is tonight about a discussion? Well, rows of chairs and a pulpit up front don't do the trick. Right. Um, that doesn't enable conversation. And so just lots of little things like that. Um, you know, on top of all the other things we're always thinking about, and, and most youth pastors in the ACNA are full time, and, and there's lots of reasons why this gets pushed by in the background. But I do think it can have a pretty big impact if you are able to take the time and spend some time thinking about it. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, I, I I will be honest. I probably think about it too much. Um, but that's partly because of how important this whole idea is to me. Um, personally, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, we we we're we're out of time. Um, we've gone a little little longer than we intended to. 
Um, but always a fun conversation. So um, I'm going to end. I have, um, again, from the 2019 ACNA BCP, uh, from page 660, 669, a prayer for guidance. Go before us, O Lord, in all our doings with your most gracious favor and further us with your continual help that in all our works begun, continued and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name and finally, through your mercy, obtain everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, friends.